The following podcast will contain spoilers for all aired episodes in HBO's Game of Thrones and all published books in George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. In Atlanta, we have the Big Chicken. Which... Oh <laughs> <laughs> is the largest man-made chicken with that also That's the bumper. Welcome to the Vassals of King's Grave Dragoncast Edition. We are back this week to review the ninth episode of Game of Thrones Season 6, Battle of the Bastards, directed by Miguel Sapochnik, written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. I think I got that right. Hopefully I did. My name is Zach, also known as Alias on the forums, and joining me for this review we have... It's Adam Drownsnow on the forums. This is Casey, Blue Eyed Queen on the forums. This is Small Paul, Sir General on the forums. This is Mikhail, Ink as Rain on the forums. This is Jeff, Jeff14 on the forums. This is Katie, Lady Griffin on the forums. And leading the Knights of the Vale, bringing up the rear, it's Varley on the forums. <laughs> yep, and that is our crew for the ninth episode of Game of Thrones Season 6. A big one for sure, as the ninth episodes tend to be, and there was a lot that happened, and I'm very curious to see what you guys thought about it all. So, Adam, how many lemon cakes would you give Battle of the Bastards? I don't know, I think I'm going to abstain from actually giving a number rating. The, the magical arrow thing, basically, it just brought me right out of the episode. And then some of the really bad CG in the in the battle was kind of weird. But, I mean, overall, it, I, it was okay, I guess. I, don't know. I gave it a, on the forums, I gave it a 5 out of 5 mounds of dead bodies. Um, <laughs> uh, I was a little bit torn about this episode. I thought that the episode itself was very well done. I thought that, for once... D&D did a pretty good job, minus a couple of more so nitpicky things. But I was kind of taken aback by this episode just because of how horrific a lot of the stuff was. I mean, like the battle scenes, I was a little grossed out. I had to look away sometimes. And I might be a baby. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't see myself uh, Casey, watching. I think we've established that you are, in fact, a baby. I'm very clear on this point. <laughs> totally, Casey. Did you just miss the last like nine weeks of podcasting and making fun of you? Oh, you're you're the worst, Mikal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just I don't. While it was very well done, I don't see myself watching it again anytime soon, just because of how tough the, some of those scenes were. Yeah, yes, I'm a baby. I know. I'm very aware. <laughs> Are you a baby, Small Paul? What did you think? I'm the biggest babby. Basically, I gave it a 4.75 because always room for improvement, and I'll never give a five out of five to D and D ever. Damn. It's a personal. Th- it's a personal thing at this point. Uh, so you're just but, rating on a four point scale. <laughs> essentially, yeah, yeah. Aside from the real nitpicky things, I thought this was a great episode. The battle scenes, I think, I would describe as beautifully chaotic. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. it just seemed to flow together. Just really, I just thought it was really neat. And we got to see the last of D and D's Prince Charming, aka Ramsey. So yeah, yeah. I too thought it was pretty neat. Oh, what did you think? I. I really enjoyed it while I was watching it, which is weird to say, given my history. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like I did definitely read a lot of criticism of the episode, and I definitely agree with a lot of it. And I'm sure I'll 
I'll reiterate a lot of it soon. But like in the moment while I was watching it, I was just like, ah, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. What am I going to do? You know, it's like I, I, <laughs> I can't hate it. I can't. I'm trying so hard <laughs> to hate it. But, annoying, I but like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I definitely felt sick to my stomach at a lot of points, but I guess it wasn't anything I didn't expect. So or or couldn't have in, predicted kind of in, in the moment. So, yeah, that was cool. And and you know what? You know what? They actually got big points for me for the Asha Danny scene. Did that you, that did, definitely boosted it. Did you give it a number anywhere in there? <laughs> I didn't really like it. Let me give it a three. I thought they ruined John's character by making him seem like a dumbass. And then they also made Sansa really spiteful and arrogant and petty for not telling John about the veil. And I would have said that she didn't know they were coming except for the fact that when they came, she was with Littlefinger on the hill watching smugly as the northerners who sworn loyalty to her died. It's really hard for me to grade this one. I thought visually it was probably maybe the best Game of Thrones has ever looked. Even like, but even the stuff that usually looks really good, like the dragons, I thought the sense of weight and scale was really masterfully done CGI. And Danny even looked good writing them. I couldn't really see the seams of where her and the, the model connected. And the battle was shot really phenomenally. As for the writing itself, I I hated everything about the Winterfell plot. Just It's an idiot plot in that it could have been avoided with a simple conversation between Jon and Sansa and her character motivations, which this entire thing hinges on. I, I, I just I don't understand. I, can't, I, I have no idea what her motivations for not telling Jon are. And for that, I just could not get emotionally invested in the fight. And I really hate that they've decided to write her as a nag because that is what she is when she's talking with John. She was a, a nag. And I don't say that to blame Sansa. I say it like, I don't understand why they've made this choice to manufacture conflict between her and John. It just feels really weak. It feels like stalling for lack of them to really talk about anything else. So yeah, it was really hard for me to gauge my feelings for it. On the one hand, it was just, it was a beautifully shot episode, but writing wise, I just, I thought it was really, 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 really poor. Maybe like one of the, my least favorite episodes of the whole show. Matt, you want to round us up? Sure. I give this a four out of five on the um, forums. Enjoyed it. As far as visually, at some points it was like very amazing and then some points the cgi just like completely shit out and it was like i was very aware that it was cgi um as far as writing i tend to go with katie a little more i thought it was pretty fucking weak and for a father's day episode we had the marine uh the three kids of shit fathers like you know teaming up to go conquer west roast or whatever i i don't even understand what's going on over there but yeah otherwise i mean it was a really cool uh, battle and we'll get into the nitpicks i guess soon yeah as for me i i have to give it a five out of five myself mainly for for the the positive aspects that you highlighted katie the excellent cinematography the just the what i felt was a really good mix of practical effects and cgi i didn't really see any of the seams that you point out matt and i just thought it all came together really well lots of really creative shots the music was good and also the points where they chose not to use music were really cool and i thought just the portrayal of of like you said small paul the, the chaos of it was was really well done and i just enjoyed that so much that i'll give it a five and and you know there are writing concerns and the, the whole plot there is a lot of issues with it and i think that 
I just don't really want to pin that on this episode because it was obviously being built up in past episodes and I just wanted to enjoy the the, the actual just play out of things, even if all of that build up didn't necessarily live up to it. And I think, you know, I came up with a, I constructed a reason in my head why the characters did what they did, even if it didn't seem to make sense. And maybe I shouldn't need to do that, but, but I justified it. So it didn't bother me as much, but yeah. That's that. Let's go ahead and jump into the review proper, starting in Marine before we get to, to Winterfell, where Danny and Tyrion discuss strategy in the Great Pyramid. Danny says she intends to absolutely annihilate the masters and burn the cities to the ground. Tyrion suggests a more moderate approach, reminding her of a similar plan by Eris to burn King's Landing to ashes. This can't possibly be foreshadowing anything. Uh, Danny's squad meets with the masters <laughs> when the masters give their brutal terms. Danny tells them that they will be the ones that will surrender today. Drogon arrives and takes flight with Danny. Viserion and Rhaegal break free of the catacombs and join them in the sky. They begin burning the artillery ships as the masters watch in horror. In the meantime, Daria arrives with the Dothraki and they clear the city of harpies. Tyrion tells the masters that Danny wants one of them dead and they offer Yezin, who falls to his knees. Grey Worm steps forward and slashes the necks of the two standing masters. What I felt was probably the smoothest kill of the episode. Uh, and Tyrion steps up to tell Yezin to spread the word of what happened today. So yeah, this this pretty sweet part with some dragons doing dragon stuff was pretty cool. What did you guys think? I, I know I've already complimented this earlier, but I know we've talked a little bit about how we're getting sick of Danny fucking shit up and her burning stuff with her dragons but as far as like if i had to rank dragon scenes in the show this was pretty damn thrilling yeah. i thought visually i can't her think flying of a better one ships. i can't think of anyone this good maybe when the one the in, unsullied uh, yeah when she got the unsullied that's the one that maybe, maybe I, I, don't know. I just yeah, i thought but... it was really incredible and with cgi it's so hard to get a sense of actual weight and just physicality with a model like that and I f it felt very real in a way that it hasn't before. I thought it was excellent. So her actually mounting the dragon is what took me out of this when I was saying like really shitty CGI. Like that was like my one gripe where it just looked awful for that one second and then like you know when she's riding on top of him like burning the ship it looked great. This whole sequence is great right but it's also really confusing because she, she, she teleports down to a meeting with these guys who, I guess, no one saw her dragon at night, even though it seemed like it was kind of easy to see in the night sky. And they show up just saying, well, we're in control, we're doing what we want. And then she's off and burns, like, one ship, two ships? It's hard to tell how much. And then she now the fleet is hers? I'm kind of confused as to how that Well, working. I doubt they're going to risk pissing her off even more. If she's willing to, like, let them live in exchange for the ships, at least, like, the sailors on said ships. Uh, how come, like, it's going to take a while before he gets back and kind of relays that? Wouldn't you expect half the ships to just book it? And then in the next scene, well, I guess Asha, or Yara's fleet is there, so, I mean, did maybe they come into conflict? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they blocked the bay. Even though I thought the dragons were awesome. I kind of thought it was funny how powerful the flamethrower was. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought it was... There's like a laser beam. If anything, I think they should be more powerful. I mean, these are wooden ships, and it took, like, a couple dragons to burn it, and it took a bit, and dragon fire is supposed to burn pre pretty hot, right? But it so. seemed like it broke the ship instead of burned the ship. If, I know that sounds... Like, it's really stupid in a tiny nitpick. I just thought it was funny, like, the force behind the fire. Uh, yeah, ripping I, I thought it looked cool. But... It, it oh, no, it was cool. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought the destructive force of the dragons was was reasonable, given what they are. Yeah. 
I get what he's saying, though. I feel like I would have enjoyed this scene a little bit better if we didn't get that scene uh, a couple episodes ago where uh, she flew in with Drogon to show the Dothraki that she had a dragon and that she gave that same speech. Yeah. But I don't want to take away from the scene because it was so good. I mean, this is why I rated the episode so high. I thought that, like, if alone, this was good. And it was really awesome Mm -hmm. to see the dragons win how about the, the dragon jailbreak like what what was the deal there? i know oh that was that was awkward Drogon yeah. summer it's just like them. It, yeah Drogon was just screeching and they're like we could have broken out the whole time <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, I i guess i'm always a little bit unmoved by danny kicking ass just because like we've seen it so many times i mean yeah. This is the third Danny kicking ass scene we've had this season mm-hmm. it's um, gratuitous at this point yeah um, and it's like I, you know, I, I get it. That's, you know, I, I'm glad that she kicks ass, but like I, I do understand. Um, but I did think that Drogon looked really cool, and they, they didn't solve the problem of her like getting on the dragon CGI wise, but flying on it, it looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, for sure. I liked, I liked the kind of the visual comparison, also just a little thing of seeing how how much different, uh, you know, Viserion and Rhaegal looked. Compared to Drogon. Right. You mean green and gold? Like yeah. they're yes. supposed to look? <laughs> I was so excited that they're actual different colors and not just dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was better. Uh, speaking about just the Danny plot at large, I, I do agree that that one scene, the scene with her, her with Drogon showing up and impressing the Dothraki, really mars it. But I think for the most part, for me, that Danny Danny's storyline was the highlight of the season for me. I mean, maybe I buy into the kicking ass thing more than other people, but yeah, if not for that one scene, I thought it was basically what I want from Danny, and this was a great cap to it. I just I, well, I that's because it. you read read a dance with dragons and where she does. Fuck all. Yeah, exactly. So is anybody else like kinda getting nervous with Danny like being a ruler and she's just gonna fuck shit up and <laughs> Yeah. I'm not too nervous right now because she and Tyrion and Yara all had that big our fathers were terrible people. They they sucked. We're not gonna be like them. And, but, and Tyrion I mean, it, like expressly say we need to be more moderate about our approach here. <laughs> you know, he, he clearly mm-hmm. lays it out. Don't be Eris. Don't be that. Despite all that though, one of my favorite parts of this scene was Danny's stink face to Tyrion when she was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, Yeah, she's she's not buying any of this shit you know i I have to i have to give some props to amelia clark because it used to feel like she was like she didn't actually feel like she had any authority when she was acting but now i think she's kind of found a good center place where it actually feels like yeah i would be intimidated by her if she was giving me that face whereas in previous seasons it was like oh come on you're not try harder please she's grown (laughs) <laughs> she's killed enough people one last point was anybody else kind of nervous with the Dothraki about them just killing the harpies I feel like there would be a lot of civilian casualties when they go running through the streets of yeah, Marine probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was I'm like are they just gonna sack the city cause this is kind of what Dothraki do well no because their bloodlust was satiated by the dozen harpies that they killed that were outside the gates killing people for whatever reason that they had yep <laughs> The Grey Worm was badass. Small folk well said, Katie. Small folk don't matter. <laughs> Who are they, anyway? Shellfish? <laughs> <laughs>
So next scene, we have Danny and Tyrion meeting with Yara and Theon after the battle. They offer their 100 ships if Danny will help them overthrow Euron and retake the Iron Islands. Tyrion is wary of Theon after what he has heard about him, but Theon says he did not kill the Stark boys, and Yara assures Tyrion that he has paid for his crimes. Danny wonders why she shouldn't just take Euron's offer when he arrives, and Yara explains that his offer comes with marriage while hers doesn't necessarily, but she's up for anything but lifestyle. Danny says she will help them if the Ironborn agree to stop all the reaving and raping. After some brief hesitation, Yara agrees. And this scene. I don't know why Danny banned roving. What's wrong with roving? Roving is fine. She wanted to go for the alliteration, yeah, and she couldn't figure out. <laughs> Irving is okay. But I did like Yara going like, it's our culture, and Danny's like, well, it's my kingdom. So, like, you know, which one? That's what I never got about the Iron Islands. Like, how could it be, like, how could she be an experienced, like, reaver when that shit's outlawed and they're all, like, the Seven Kingdoms? Like, I don't I don't understand. I never got that. Whenever the Iron Lord do something, the Westerosi just go, oh, it's just their cultural norms. They're just assholes. Just... We'll just rebuild. It's fine. Right. We're very culturally sensitive here in Westeros. Except in the Great Joy Rebellion, when they literally go there and just destroy so much. The eight other rebellions that they would incite. Or yeah, we'll let you take out a few small folk, but uh, don't don't go any higher than that. Don't try calling yourself king. I mean, then we can do something about that. And when you How do, many... don't just pick driftwood as your crown. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they all bond over their parental issues, mostly their daddy issues, it's like the oh, alliance of daddy issues. Indeed. This scene, like, sort of passed the Bechtel test in points. The what? The Bechtel test, where <laughs> two women can have a conversation in a TV show that doesn't involve a man, oh, even uh, though it involved Euron and... Yeah, it, it was yeah, for, like, point. five seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Game of Thrones, so it only has to, like, pass half the criteria. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, was, it was mostly, like, uh, you know, about taking over a country. So. Yeah. yeah, two women were actually treating each other like equals while their tops were still on. Yep. And they had something to talk about. Like, yeah. I think that was almost what I appreciated the most about it, that they were having a real conversation about just wonderful subtext aside. They were both like, OK, so uh, we're queens. And how do we conquer our next kingdom? Yeah. And I was right. just like, I appreciate and it was that. interesting how reasonable it was kind of, like, you know, like, um, Which well, I would I would request that you let me do my own thing. And if not, that's OK, too. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it makes me kind of suspicious about Yara because she put out like reaving is the way of life for the iron islands and dan's like well don't and then yara's like okay fine they retake westeros yara's gonna be figuring out ways to start to get around danny's rules the king has like very little like actual power compared to like the lords oh like over the over the regions you mean yeah, it seems sort usually of. the regions are more just internally governed, and then they just say, oh yeah, sure, you're the king. As long as they send the crown their taxes, yeah, but, you know, everything's but guys, good. Danny's gonna break the wheel. <laughs> oh boy. But that, that's as, also... as she makes like, oh, so bad. <laughs> She's just awful. You you find her in the workshop and she's making a square wheel and she's like, I've broken it. (laughs) That's not not right, Danny. That's not how it works. 90 degree angles. That's how you break the wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's also probably just because Robert didn't give a shit about the kingdom. I think other kings like actually ruled a little bit more. Yeah, if you went around on a progress and checked what was up at all, that would probably help. But it's also it's also different now because the Targaryens hadn't had dragons for obviously a long time, and 
that changes the dynamic of ruling drastically. Exactly. You got the nuclear option. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that again, like the show seems to make it out like they reeve more than would be appropriate. But it, like I think that you know the the reaving was just sort of people kind of go out and harass some farmers and and we had wildlings. We had Quellon before, who was actually a pretty chill dude for a Greyjoy. So what does Aaron say? He's like, but from the sacks of Quellon came. Oh, Quellon's loins, 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 The aching loins of Quellon. That's how, how many it always. That's how it always goes. Moist. With, with the Theon ironborn. has no loins. There's always, there's always one really strong Ironborn, and it is followed by. Uh, chill on and they never progress or do anything basically i actually i was a little confused though because yara's view of the ironborn has kind of gone back and forth on whether or not she's like bloodthirsty and like yeah and but like she she gave a very similar speech in the in the king's moot to um and she's she's indicated before that she's not pro senseless violence and sees the the folly of the ironborn ways i think she would see she was against senseless violence, but I think she would see more like reaving as like a necessary means for her people. Keep the I, people happy. I think also, she just wanted a roving, honestly. She wanted to uh, <laughs> be a also, wild rover. As far as Yara's character development goes, how difficult it is, is it to be a woman ro- ruling a, or potentially ruling a society that doesn't accept women but you still want to be accepted by the culture and so you have that kind of back and forth like well you know i really want to go along with this but they hate me so how do you i don't know i i feel like her wishy-washiness kind I, of yeah i feel like she, like she would want to be able to get rid of reaving on her own schedule instead of just like well oh, the new queen says no more and maybe, maybe that's kind of the idea yeah but I, I mean, I trust her for now because, honestly, I highly, highly doubt that the issues of Daenerys' reign are actually going to be covered by the show. <laughs> like oh, the show's gonna Danny's going to live that's, that long. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's post-Game of Thrones. Anybody else want to bet that it'll take... It took Yara and, Gr- and Theon two episodes to get here, but it'll take Danny a whole season to get... Get to Westeros next season. Middle of next season. So many more people. Yeah. I don't think the whole season. <laughs> I think by episode four. I hope. I, mean, I hope at the very least she does like a flyover or something, and then comes back and is like, "Why are you guys taking so long? I can fly there like in a day." <laughs> no, I actually see that. I I I feel like that's gonna happen. I feel like they're gonna set out very grandly next week with with her ships and blah blah blah. Even though I'm not sure what's gonna happen to Euron because I feel like he could either be like, a, "Oh, Ramsay's dead. Here's the new Ramsay." Or, or it could be like, oh, fooled you. He's dead. You're on. You're on dead. What happens to Marine? Fuck it. She's left people <laughs> in charge. At this point, well, I don't give a damn anymore. No, I know I don't care either. But it, there has to be some <laughs> resolution. They leave it with Grey Worm and Miss Andy. That, I think that's what they're gonna do, and that's gonna be that's terrible. They, <laughs> they should come, right? That is a poor idea. It is terrible. But their heirs will. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I think they're in a better position than they were because they've destroyed the mask the masters excuse me so it's not quite the same as leaving Asapor and, and Yonkai yeah. behind but yeah, instead this time those dragons can come back they're tearing down a tyrannical government and then just leaving them to their own devices I'm pretty sure that'll work out yeah. No, I think uh, you know what's her name. Uh, Kinvara will like just make it into a, fund- a fundamentalist state. Should be work out fine. They'll destroy a like harpy 
I mean, it would be kind of stupid if Kinvara didn't come with her, right? They just drop that plot point immediately. All right, well, do we have anything else to say on, on Maureen? Are we saying, fuck it to Maureen? You're done. Fuck it to Maureen. Right. Fuck Maureen. I think they should recast Dario again next season with Yara. Just like Make her Dario? <laughs> Yara wearing a mustache. He's Yario, basically. Yario. It's a him, Yario. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. She can have them both. She can be, he can be the, you know, the butt boy. Almost said he's going to be the Excuse butt boy. But <laughs> no, he can be the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the bottom? Boy toy. I really don't know what you're saying. <laughs> What are you saying, Katie? I don't know what's going on. No, he, he can, can be, be the, the boy toy, and she yeah, can, and Yara she can be her both solid. At the same time. She's a queen. A little bit, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. No harm in that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Meanwhile, Tyrion's like, "What the fuck? I'm sitting here right, right here." <laughs> <laughs> You'll get a dragon, don't worry. And then Jorah comes back and like a small like, one has cured Grayscale and is like, "Oh, I'm gonna get to marry Danny." And she's in bed with three other people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel she's like you like, can gone. join in too. <laughs> that would be perfect. I think Dario would be all of. Nah, Dario's not gone. He might be gone for this season, but he's not gone. He's yeah, too- I don't think we're gonna see him like in the finale. I mean, I could be wrong. One thing I will say no, he- is that it would be nice if she shows up and she's on the way to Westeros at the end of the season. And next season, she could show up at Dragonstone since that seems mostly abandoned. It would be kind of a nice parallel if she stays, you know, she could stay there for however many episodes she needs to, right? A second Aegon? Yeah. No. Well, no, she's going to show up to, like, King's Landing, take it over. Dorne's going to sh- show up and gonna be like, no weak men will ever rule the Seven Kingdoms shit. I think the last scene's going to be Gendry rowing up, just being like, hey... <laughs> I'm still here for Everyone's that. dead and he's just rowing out like, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. That's after the credits. <laughs> after the credits. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I had an epiphany the other day. We're going to be speculating on where Gendry is forever. We're just going to be We're just gonna be like, where is he? Yeah, it it gives us something to do. We're probably well, never going to find out show. what happens to him. I still be think in the end I still think he's showing up in episode 10. That's how deluded I still am. I still think he's going to show up. I'm con- no. Aw, Zach. That's so cute. I believe in Gendry. <laughs> ah, the faith of a child. Yeah. It's almost, the season's almost over. They can't hurt you after next week. Yep. So, uh, okay, can we... Well, let's finish with this episode, but can we talk about like how much shit that they have to plug into next week to yeah. get... We'll finish with yeah. Somewhat closure. Let's I mean, finish. we're through two scenes. But there's only one location left. How long could it be? <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's go. Let's go to to Winterfell. The other the other piece of this episode, the other half. Though it's a little bit more than that. Where we begin with Jon's squad and Ramsay's squad meeting up to discuss terms. Ramsay offers surrender terms and shows off Shaggy Dog's not at all papier mache head. Sansa refuses his terms and promises Ramsay's death, riding off on her own. John says that they should settle it one-on-one, and Ramsay refuses to risk it against the greatest swordsman in the North. Without coming to terms, they determine to battle when morning comes. I was surprised that nobody attacked at night, since they were like, cool, we're gonna meet tomorrow? Yeah. Burn your camp with my 20 good men. Exactly. Why didn't Ramsay bring... They probably couldn't afford to film at night, so that's why. Did anyone think it was really dumb when John said, but will your men fight for you when they know you wouldn't fight for them? And then Ramsey said, this guy's good. It's supposed to be a singer, and it makes no sense. 
<laughs> like, yes, because they're my men. And also, no one's going to tell them. <laughs> yeah, the two bros that I have behind me are not going to say shit. <laughs> yeah, the Umbers are loyal to the Boltons to the end. This tactic worked for Grey Worm. He said the exact same thing, and they all ran away. When did John become the the greatest swordsman in the North? Uh, because the... he took down, uh, what's-his-face, maybe? No, but I mean, Ramsey is just being a dick. No, the guy with the deep scars on his cheeks that was like uh, Ramsey's best buddy that chopped off uh, what's-his-fuck's hand. Oh, the... Locke. Locke. uh, Locke, yeah. So if he beat Locke, obviously, like, you know. Guys, he didn't kill Locke. Hodor killed Locke. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Brandor. Brandor Locke. Oh, rest, rest in peace, Hodor. The best, oh, the fucking legend. He killed the fucking legend, though, so that clearly <laughs> proves that he's the greatest swordsman. So. Oh man, I liked Santa's line. Yes. Which one? That you'll be dead in the morning. Oh, yeah, you mean yeah, her line of "I have tomorrow, an army coming soon"? Well. Yeah, yeah. Her "I know something you don't know." Yeah, too bad. Uh, she also knows something that Jon Snow doesn't know. I, I, because he knows I nothing. I think we should at some point discuss that. But <laughs> well, let's, let's do that when the Vale Knights. That'll arrive. be next. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that when the Vale Knights arrive. I'm just glad we got to see uh, Liana Mormont. Fucking badass yeah. still, man. That girl's like, stealing the fucking like, show. She's like burning holes in Ramsey's head. Even though there are probably now no Mormont men left. All 62. They really were. Oh, they said they all survived. They all, all survived. Oh, yeah. realized they're worth like 10 mainlanders. Right, yeah. Well, if you guys were wondering why the pile of bodies was so big, it's because every... Mormont is worth 20 bodies, so it just... <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one Mormont man. That whole pile. <laughs> Wait, so, so you... like, Mormont people are just Cronenberg monsters? <laughs> or... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Akira! <laughs> we so get that... another fake wolf said. Yeah, we did. Well... <laughs> like, Shaggy Dog that. lives. Uh, Hashtag it. Sure. Uh, the Umbers were willing to die to cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the Grand Northern Conspiracy, one might say. <laughs> So, that was a fake exactly. for too. So, after Davos, Jon and Tormund discuss the battle plan, Sansa warns Jon that he is playing into Ramsay's hands. Jon says that they don't have a choice at this point and they must try to save Rickon. Sansa is convinced they will never get the chance. Jon then goes to Melisandre and tells her not to bring him back if he falls. Melisandre says that she will do as the Lord of Light demands. Meanwhile, Davos and Tormund discuss their former kings and their failures. Davos turns down Tormund's offer of sour goat milk and goes walking on his own. He discovers a burned-out pyre and the stag carving he made for Shireen sitting among the wood and ashes. Oh, fucking Brutal. So Did he find her skull? I don't know. <laughs> I-, I wasn't sure. I was, like, typing at the same time. No. no? It was just the... St- that was a very beautiful shot, though, of him in the against the red sky and the very oh, discordant yeah. violin in the background. Yeah, he looked almost a bit like Stannis when they like panned away from him. Hmm. He was like wearing the same kind. Oh, of... not this again! It's Everybody not looks like Stannis. Stannis. <laughs> did I don't know? Did did you guys all expect this is what he was going to find? Yeah, I thought he'd find more of like a body, but not like the special stag that he carved for her. That was pretty fucking. Well, I mean, cause they showed it in the preview and then like, uh, as he was kind of walking up the hill, I realized what was happening. But when he was going to walk off, I thought maybe he was going to run into, you know, 20 good men or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, who knows with this show? I was just like, you naive idiots. How, how did you not see this coming? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why they took this. Wait a minute. Which part? 
for him discovering that Shireen was burned. I didn't even yeah. talk about it at all. And that's now. and also that's the only thing that survived Stannis's camp. It's a very durable stag. It's fine mean, craftsmanship. Yeah, it's made out of hardwood. He's like, a he's a smuggler. Stands, that lets you you got to respect it. the sacrifice. You can't be putting him on a garbage pyre, right? <laughs> Jesus. <fine. laughs> You would think Melisandre would be like, yeah, let's not set up camp here. Let's just set up camp, like, a, a little bit down, down the road. The road. <laughs> but what was her reasoning? Just being like, yeah, I burned a kid over there. I'm not too happy about this now. <laughs> she's the Lord of Light! Point. Like, the she's, Lord of she's still on tilt from all this stuff, so. So. Full tilt. I mean, okay, like so her days are numbered. Oh, Davos is probably going to shank her. Like one day. Like one day. But I I don't know. I feel like something else is going to happen. Like he's going to forgive her? Yeah. They're going to hug it out. Some bullshit like that. Or not not, not Davos necessarily, but like John. Like John might be like, no, she's too valuable or something. But why? (laughs) But John was like, do not bring me back. You have no value to me at all. I I hope you guys are right. I would be very happy if Melisandre died. Which, I mean, I guess could have happened at any point before if they were going to kill her now it could have happened as soon as she revived john but i don't know no but i mean like at what at what point does i mean davos just like swallows this as like oh yeah they had to burn shireen i'm cool with that i mean show davos i don't even know if show davos would go that far unless she turns his whole like oh the true enemy is the darkness the dead. blah 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 yeah he just, like, com- fully converts, maybe. Come on, I don't Davos. think he'll ever do that, though. Because, uh, uh, well, maybe show Davos will. But in the books, like, he has, like, that whole, like, vision with a mother, like, saying, like, oh, you burned me, and that's why he had to act out against her. Show Davos is an atheist. He's not, he doesn't believe in anything. That's a no, nihilist, friend. I think right now he doesn't. Doesn't believe in any god. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Sansa stuff happens here, but I feel like maybe we should just talk about it holistically at the end. Are we cool with that? I mean, I I, I didn't hate that conversation. I I like, hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Uh-huh. It wasn't. There was. They had no reason to argue. I didn't understand why, other than sheer pettiness. It just. It felt like. It felt like dialogue that they they needed a scene. And so they invented a reason for these two characters to yell at each other. It didn't... (laughs) None of it felt organic. I mean, they were building toward it, quote-unquote. They had this kind of confrontation set up before where John was saying, we need to attack now. Sansa was saying, we're not ready. It wasn't the first time it happened, but it was still contrived, and it still came out of nowhere in that case. I mean, I kind of agree that the writing wasn't great here, but also, I feel... How stressed would you be if if you're going into a battle and your brother's on the line and uh, all your people are on the line and you could potentially lose this and the odds are against you? I I would be pretty stressed out and pick a fight. I would be so stressed I'd tell my brother that um, I might have 5,000 men to help you out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I I don't get why they had to make her a nag. Like, Sansa was at the War Council. It's not like she was barred from attending. She could have spoken up. They could have written her to speak to speak yeah. up instead she's like john why didn't you ask for my advice oh my god how yeah. could you do that to me like she's been in camp with them too like she could have given her advice all the time and she did before i mean it's it's interesting because like back in back at the wall she was like no here's what we need to do i know ramsey blah 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 and suddenly that doesn't work anymore yeah i i just assumed she was giving advice uh, she was just hiding the bit about Littlefinger. Uh, you know oh <laughs> The important part. It's all yeah. her fault. It is all her fault. I guess I, I just liked Sansa. I, what, what I did like was Sansa being like the logical one and being like, John, he's going to try and make you do X, Y, Z. 
And John's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, no, he's going to make you do X, Y, Z. Why aren't you listening to me? And John not listening. I, the only thing I didn't like, and this isn't going too far, but it's just the whole, like, my life has been so much shittier than your life, which kind of true, but at least it's a close second. I don't think she said that. I, I don't think so, she was talking. They weren't talking about, like, how shitty their life was. They were talking about whether or not they understand Ramsey and how to deal with it. Yeah. John's argument yeah. was he's been in battles and he knows how to deal with that, but he, he doesn't understand. And he was person. a shitty bastard, too. So. Since it does. Right. And he was a shitty bastard. <laughs> and when what kind of caught me was, like, when he brings up Rick and Sons is just like, fuck it. And he's like, yeah. shouldn't we save him? And she's like, nope. And this is kind of a prelude to, to my point about why what Sansa did made sense to me, but it's very clear that she's kind of all bets are off here. She's she's not, she's willing to to let casualties happen. She, she's kind of hardened her heart to the circumstance. No, I, I could buy that if that was all, if that was at all set up with her earlier conversation with Littlefinger. Like, if her motivation for all of this was, uh, like, she trusts nobody like she is so damaged that she is going to hold all of the cards to her chest and she can't even trust John. She won't even give him the benefit of the doubt. I could buy that as a strong motivation, but it made it seem like that conversation with Littlefinger that her whole thing is like he planted the seed of doubt in her head because they're not full siblings. She's her. Yeah, is but I don't feel that. like that. I don't feel like they've made that the point of it. Like, I don't feel like she's ever been like, I want power from you, or, like, we're not, you're not a Stark. I don't think she's ever made it that argument. Isn't it kind of interesting how, like, they always, per, like, compare Santa to Cat, and the biggest mistake Cat made was loving her children and doing everything for her children, and then Santa's like, you know what, fuck Rick, and I'm gonna cut my losses and try to, like, well, Santa's win. not just Catelyn now. She's Cersei, and she's what? influenced by Littlefinger. She's she's all these different. <laughs> no, things that are yeah, I don't think her. I don't think that's what she did either, though. I think she was just acknowledging that that Rickon was beyond beyond their ability. Oh yeah, she definitely wasn't like, oh, I don't even care. Like, cause, because earlier that wasn't the way right. she was acting. I think I, I, was... I took that more of like she's been through the abuse that Ramsay put her through, and like that she just has to be a little detached and realize. Like, to get through it to realize, like, I'm not going to hope because it'll be crushed again, sort of. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, Sansa isn't doing anything in terms of Rickon that she's not willing to do herself. I I thought, I'm not sure exactly how, I don't have good or bad feelings about the whole, like, I'm not being taken by him alive thing but but she's she means it i mean like she's like this this battle is do or die for all of us i think and this you know so i don't think she's holding herself distant from that in the in the isolation of the episode itself i feel that they were very good about making her consistently pragmatic about everything it seems like that that just is who she is right now and mm. they never really deviated from that. So at the very least, like, it, wasn't, it wasn't random. All right, so do you have anything else to add on this, this section? Uh, apparently they have no wood carvers there to get those, like, fancy, you know, army pieces carved up. <laughs> yeah, they're just rocks. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't, why didn't yeah, Davos do it? Yeah, for those rich it? lords. So I have, I have the full summary of the battle here. But we'll kind of break it down after after I get through it. But yeah, I'm going to read through the whole the whole summary. Here we go. So, the armies gather the next day who, with burned and flayed men hanging on Bolton crosses between them. Ramsay brings Rickon out and tells him to run to his brother. Rickon does just that, and John rides out to meet him when he sees Ramsay taking aim with a bow. The first three shots miss, but Ramsay shoots Rickon through the heart just as John reaches him, and the Stark boy collapses to the ground. John is horrified and filled with rage. He goes charging alone toward Ramsay and his forces, but his horse is shot down by Bowman before he can reach them. 
John gets to his feet and draws Longclaw and prepares to meet Ramsey's cavalry head on. Just before they reach him, John's forces crashes against the Bolton band, and the battle begins in earnest. Hundreds of Stark and Bolton men die in mere minutes as John fights amidst the chaos. The Stark army retreats behind the mounting pile of bodies, but Ramsay takes this opportunity to send his infantry forward to surround the Stark survivors. The phalanx begins to press in as 1-1, and the wildlings try hopelessly to battle free. Small John Umber kills any man trying to flee over the pile of bodies. Panicking, Torment calls for the wildlings to fall back to the corpse pile. John is nearly trampled by the wildlings, only just breaking free of the press of bodies and gasping for air. Tormund is able to overcome Small John by ripping out his throat, but all hope still seems lost. Suddenly, a horn sounds in the distance, and a large army of Vale Knights appear over the crest of the hill, led by Sansa and Littlefinger, showing they charge and quickly cut down the Bolton infantry from behind. So, yeah, thoughts on the Rickon part first, if there's anything you guys have to say about that. I was just, I, I feel like, I'm curious what everyone's, like, visceral reactions were there, because I, it felt very visceral to me, and, and part of me was like, don't run, like, just don't, just, like, just, just, like, don't agree to do what Ramsey wants you to do, you know, and, but then at the same time, it's like, how do you, how do you not physically run? Um, and I, I keep thinking, like, how would you run sideways to, like, I was also thinking zigzag, but like, how would you run sideways to make a tinier you just, target? You just check, you just back check every time he shoots, and you dart to the side. Like, yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Well, guys, I think it's not that simple. If you're in that situation, you don't just like, oh, I hear a bow twang, let me look when he shot, and then move. It's not, it's, if you're in that situation with the adrenaline pumping, and you're just, and you're not prepared at all, it's, you're not gonna act perfectly. Oh, no, sure. but you're, but you're running, and you're, you're scared as hell, because you know he has that bow behind you, your head is, like, swiveling back, like, every half second to check and see what's going on. Y'all are missing the most important part, though. Oh, boy. Ramsey has homing arrows. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah, obviously they're guided yeah. by sorcery. This is that was uh, I watched this scene and I said, okay, there's no way he's getting across. And I go, oh, I see the bow. I go, okay. I said, don't do this. This is stupid. They're gonna have him run, and then he's gonna oh oh the last second it's gonna be a perfect shot and kill him, which is exactly what they did. Right. But it was like you know way further away than it should have been to to be believable. Yeah, I mean, I mean he could have just obviously yeah, it's not believable. But come on, like it's a TV show. Come on, and there's so many moments, could... so many moments in this battle that are just dramatic for the sake of it, not for logic. Like there's so many moments you can call out that don't make sense, but that's the that's how it works. Like, yeah, but like when you're doing something like this, that's supposed to be like the big emotional moment. You 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 can't cheat like that. I think. Right. I think you got you've got a you've got a responsibility to be to be better than that. I mean, to be perfectly honest, they could have just had Ramsey march maybe like a third third of the way out and be like come on john just taunting him start you know a few slices and then just you know kill him you know and then that maybe like oh john's like okay we're going now like i would have believed that reaction either way killing your brother in front of you like i you know you don't need this whole contrived little arrow thing i thought it was gonna be like an arrow halfway out and then release the hounds and be like run yeah i actually thought he was gonna release his dogs too in in retrospect did you guys think that ramsey i mean ramsey wasn't actually trying for those other no obviously not arrows right he was just fucking with him like the first few he probably if he'd shot him like in the leg or if you know he was just toying with him i would have believed those shots 
Like, that would have made a little more sense to me. And then he's limping and whatever. Well, as far as the drama and tension of the situation goes, I thought that was pretty smart, because normally you assume these things come in threes, right? The first two miss and the third one kills him. That's normally how it goes, but in this one, the third one missed. And for a moment, I thought, is he going to get away because of that? Because of that kind of typical way Wait, drama's you, handled. you were just, you were counting and assuming because of the numbers he was Yeah, I mean, this away? is how it normally goes. You normally Yeah, no, it's in usually threes. in threes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I agree with Zach. I was counting. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I think, like, the pacing between the first three arrows made like the kill shot more shocking because it was like wait a minute we have like at least like four or five more seconds before like another arrow like should yeah well land. and 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 like what was a bit like the only shocking part to me was that i, I mean i knew the whole time like there's no way he's making it but it did look like he was about two inches from grabbing john's hand and then all of a sudden he was like 10 feet away again so i don't know what that was about well i mean with the whole logic thing like how illogical has the show been to pick out this one thing as like the most illogical thing to happen i I, like i'm kind of critical like Like, why (laughs) you can you can you can be like oh whatever dragons illogical you know like you can like little things like that you can just punt that's fine but if you're going to do something like this and you want it to be this big moment that makes, oh, John's going to lead into the trap. And it's like it's, it's a huge moment and it's supposed to be hugely emotional. Like you just I think I think there's a better standard for that. I agree. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we're splitting hairs on what counts as is logical and what doesn't. Like, why didn't John's army just break out of the break out of the the the. The maneuver and just escape. The why didn't wall. they run? Why did they just stand there and let themselves get trapped? Why didn't John get filled why with did arrows? Why did run into that trap? You're talking about a whole bunch of people that are in the middle of something panicked. <laughs> why did they, like, why did Ramsey stop shooting arrows? Like, he had by far the best advantage. If he just sat there and just Keep kept on doing men. volleys, he would kill everybody. I he think he's just, he's just screwing around at that point. He's just having fun. Yeah, and also like a heavy cavalry uh, charge against like a, you know, a footed soldier is like it's just gonna decimate them. So he's just like, well, fuck the arrows. We'll just well, we them saw off. we saw the snowplow when that came through. So <laughs> <laughs> when when the when, like later on when the knights come through and just basically like it's like a snowplow taking out that circle. <laughs> Did they really compare that move to Hannibal? Uh, I, I don't yep. know. I don't know what specifically they were talking about. I mean, the double envelopment was a thing that ha- that Hannibal did at, at the Battle of Cannae. Um, but this isn't really right. that. This is this is not that necessarily attacking on both sides. It wouldn't be like making a circle around the people who aren't moving. Also, pretty sure Hannibal has more tactics in his left testicle than Ramsey ever would. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, in spite I find of it awkward your knowledge of Hannibal's left testicle, but yeah, okay. I only know about his right one. Yeah. Oh, I bet you Greg That's all knows I learned about so much. I know. I was Greg probably Ramsey knows Hannibal. both testicles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> count, count on Greg. Greg count on Greg. Testicles. The whole thing. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, he's not even here to defend himself. Come. <laughs> That's how we do it. Thanks for saying that he is smart and knows things. But as far as the the tactics go, you know, I kind of obviously they don't really make sense. I'm not I'm not an expert on it, but obviously they don't they don't make sense. I thought they did a decent job justifying it on both sides. John obviously it's it's maybe it's not in his character that he would go running in, but that's the whole there his whole plan to fell to pieces when he charged in and he didn't have the the trenches on sides and he nullified his own archers and then Ramsey like he thought that he had such a huge advantage that he could do whatever he wanted. So his blunders made sense in that context did Corbin curse like oh fuck john why did why did he do that or was he just fuck yeah battle <laughs> i think fuck yeah battle i don't think he was calling about 
Oh, I did. Oh, this is kind of going back. I loved when Tormund like was asked like, "What are trenches and like what are the flanks?" No. Yeah. <laughs> It's like flanking maneuver. What? Yeah, it's a pincer maneuver, right? Uh, what did he say to Davos? Did you see these demons? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, Happy no, no, real demons. Yeah, it's a figure. I love. Oh, I love oh. Tormund. In the show, I've grown to love him. It's good. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Good. I have a very tall woman in my spank bank right now. Everything's. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I wish I liked Tormund, but I can't. I can't shake the memory of him going into the Molestown brothel and just like slaughtering all those innocent people. Like right. I can't oh. shake that. I had actually blocked that out. Yeah. It's important yeah. to remember these things. I'm not sure the show always does. No, I don't uh, what's a few dead brothel And they're small folk, right? They don't matter. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. are these small folk? Who are they anyway? Well that I don't know. Like I feel like that went back to, to our you know, to to the fandom wide reaction to Ollie, you know where I was just, like, literally can't get the image of, like, his parents being slaughtered and, like, the poor kids pressed up against the fen, like, out of my head, you know? And to me, that's just, like, I feel as traumatized as the kid must feel. So, to me, like, all of his actions were like, I get you. I understand. I know what you're doing. Um, Whereas, you know, I'm not saying people are, like, wrong, because obviously he does terrible things. But, like, to me, that was just where I was coming from with that character. And... It's kind of colored my my feelings about Tormund as well, just remembering that. As far as just general thoughts on the battle go, I as we've said kind of at the beginning, I was I was fond of the way that, that it really did express a lot of the chaos. The the first moment when the horses crashed together was really good. Just the, the side shot that we get with John as they are just mashing into each other and going flying and the the other one I really liked it. That, uh, I'm sure you guys appreciated too was the part where John goes to grab that guy's shoulder after he kills the guy that he's fighting and his head yes. just immediately gets shot in the head just the fact that like, that can happen that quickly and that's how it works and you don't have these moments of celebration amidst that. also in the middle of the battle just the random headless guy on a horse just riding by mm. I saw that too yeah and obviously, I think uh, for me, the the highlight part, it's, it was a, in, extremely brutal with the, the part where John's obviously being trampled by the, the wild things and just the sense of, of uh, suffocation and claustrophobia that you get from that. It was very well communicated. Yeah, I, I he felt like he felt like a hobbit in like the Lord of the Rings battles, you know, just like going to get swallowed. By, yeah, but by you knew you, you knew in those battles, like good would prevail. Like this felt like uh lot to me like um almost seeing uh saving private ryan for the first time mm-hmm. where yes. like it's just like the brute the absolute like brutality of war i had that moment too when i saw a guy crawling with his without any legs i was like what happened to that dude they're not <laughs> using machine guns <laughs> where how did he lose his leg <laughs> I have an explosion of some sort yeah, I don't. I don't, the whole, uh, I don't know. There would yeah. be absurd injuries. It just didn't make sense that like that level of dismemberment would happen just from people crashing horses into each other. He ran afoul oh, of Lem Leg Chopper. Had... <laughs> See, I thought they had some of the bombs from the the bath bombs from the uh, Children of the Forest. Maybe or the ones that <laughs> oh, used to, the ones that Ramsey used to set. Wait a second. Were those twenty good men like children of the forest gone wrong? <laughs> Were we supposed to see like it almost looked like John was killing people from his own side? Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> no, there was that one scene when he gets up and he's just real angry after uh, the initial charge, right? 
and he kills a guy, and then he kills another guy that looked like he was wearing like wildling clothing. I think is that what you're saying? I think yeah, like, but at one point everyone's covered in mud, right? So yeah. like you really couldn't tell, couldn't tell who's who. Yeah, it's hard to tell. And that's, yeah, that's another like, cool similarly. part. Yeah, and I, I think I, even if he didn't actually kill someone, I think that part in the beginning where he's just looking around trying to find somebody really showed that because he doesn't know who to go after, what to do at first. I don't think we're supposed to know. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I think we, we were supposed to get... It, it's, it's I guess, a little out for them to, to say, like, oh, chaos of war, but, like, it definitely felt it felt like that to me. Well, yeah, so the last bit, as we said, the Veil Knights arrive with Littlefinger and Sansa to tear the Boltons apart and this happened so if you guys yeah free for all and what you thought about Sansa's choice to, to hide this information from John and to to you know approach it the way she did despite the whole thing in the beginning I when this happened I was like fuck yeah Sansa came through it's awesome they're gonna win now it's gonna be great but I, I'm still a little iffy on her not saying anything honestly in that moment i was just like yes this is great Go well here. did it not feel like way too late and i was just yeah. sort of like fuck you little finger i was i was so scared that ramsey was somehow going to win that i was yeah. like where's little finger like where's little finger and then like once he came i was like okay i can hate you again but like before he got there i was just like he needs to get here and like stop this madness because I was like, once he got back intense. into Winterfell, that's when I was like, "What's gonna happen?" Yeah, but that smirk on Littlefinger's face when he's mm. like sitting on the horse with Sansa—it was just like, Ugh. "Oh God, you are back." What about the smirk here on Sansa's face? Like, just like yeah, yeah. Smirk. The day after, like, did the whole army gets it decimated. It was kind of smirky. It was kinda yeah. Smirky. It didn't. Well, yeah. It didn't like, look like a like a satisfied. It looked like kind of like uh, I'm here and. Like, like I was like, is she happy? Those people are are all dead. Like, what is going on? First, she looked pretty solemn, and then she started to to smirk. I think once she saw that they were winning. Right. But like, I, I, John's like standing on top of the corpse pile and like staring at Sansa, and like she gives like this smirk, like, yeah, I did a good thing. You're Your like, see, now dead. I'm here. Yeah, I think that was like for John that look, right? He wouldn't have had to go. They could have stalled. Yeah. For like a, a few days, a week, anything. Yeah. Three hours before go fight. Do you guys think so, though? Because I, in my head, can literally see John going, like, you know, like, there's no time. Like, the elders are coming. We have to attack. Like, you know, I, I, I could see them writing something stupid. That I, I don't have a good explanation exactly for why Sansa didn't tell him. I'm, And I'm not entirely sure that the show is aware of what a big plot hole it is. Sophie Turner's, like, mentioned a couple things. It's possible that they'll have it out next week. But, um... I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it would have that John would have waited, you know, for for this rich asshole who like has a hard on for Catelyn Stark to to come rescue them. Like I don't, I don't know that he would have done that. That's exactly what they set up, though, right? That was the logic they put in John's character, right? That we need to do this now. We need to hurry. We don't have time to gather more men. And maybe he would have still had that mentality if he if he knew about Littlefinger. But the problem, I think, is the mentality to begin with. Why does he feel that way? What is the urgency? Why does he... Right. So but that's the problem with John's motivation, not Sansa's. But that's a conversation they should have had. If Like, if that's yeah. where both characters are coming from. And that's my problem with the whole episode, is that it could evolve. Like, why do... Like, if you... It's an idiot plot because 
if they had had that conversation, the whole plot would not have happened. And it's like, why does John have to go up against Ramsey right now when Sansa has an army in the wing? It's because we need a dramatic fight where the Starks are the underdogs and the Aarons can swoop in at the 11th hour and sweep away the Bolton army. Like, they wrote the plot in first and then filled in the character motivation secondary. And it shows. And I think it's showed consistently with their writing all more and more all season. Well, also, uh, to me, it's John is fighting because he thinks there isn't more men, even though they don't even fucking try the Manderleys and all of that. And that's just stupid. Uh, but, fucking Manderleys. And especially after, like, they push that it's the Northern House. But I think if you told John, oh, by the way, I have an army that will increase our, our the size of your – that's 200, the, 200% the size of your army. Let's stall for about six hours, and then we can get them – he would be willing to do that, especially like he probably hates Ramsey more. And especially at this point where he thinks he thinks Rickon's still alive, he'll be way more willing to compromise and to try to get Rickon back than after Ram. But they don't Rickon's know. Dead. Like Sansa doesn't know how far away they are. She doesn't. Sansa doesn't even know that they're coming. She writes to them though. Right. She yeah, and she asks yeah. him to come, they, but. It's, like, if, if we'd seen Sansa taking, you know, more ravens, you know, or whatever, and it oh. had been, like, this secret thing that she was really hiding it from them. But I don't think she was confident in it either. I think, the, fact, like, I think the fact that she wrote to them would imply that she had more information, right? Because she and the couldn't fact have just that she, sought them out by, without any knowledge. I don't of think... I think yeah, how I mean, would they I know where to go? Her, she I, not I only rode with them, or, like, to them, she rode in with them, leading them, which implies to me that she knew where they were and she was leading them in triumphantly. So it's that to me makes it sound like she knew where they were and it was her men and it's her victory. It I, wasn't think, like, I just thought it was little finger, like coming to meet her wherever she was. And like, like them, because if they, I mean, I guess, so they're coming from the, the directions don't make sense because the, the veil knights would have been coming from the South and the, you know, John party would have been coming from the North, but like, I, I didn't at all think that it was like Sansa like racing out exactly knowing where to meet. I think it's just as likely that Sansa either did or did not know that they that Littlefinger was coming or not. I don't think that like it's definitely a plot hole, but I don't think that we can just say like, oh, Sansa was so stupid. No, no. no the thing, I, the big like the missing puzzle piece is why doesn't she feel? Why didn't she tell John about yes, Littlefinger? That's exactly. the big thing that hasn't been answered. Because if she had told him earlier in the season, then that could have actually been a legitimate conflict between them, where he's eager to go to battle. They don't actually know if this army is coming. She wants him to wait, and then you know eventually he prevails and says, you know, screw it, we can't wait. Let's just do this thing. And then Littlefinger shows up at the last minute. That could have worked. But the fact that she doesn't tell him is just a big question yeah. mark as her motivation. Because so this could have been reasons. set up the same way. I, I think that that would have worked. So, but I have two reasons why I feel that that I that I can at least justify the, the why Sansa made this call not to tell John. First of all, the one I got into before. The fact that her heart is cold to everything, as as exemplified by the whole just let Rick and die thing, and all and all the comments she makes in this episode essentially seem to suggest that she just she just wants to win no matter the cost, almost as though she wants she's willing to let all those Northmen die. It doesn't matter to her as long as the as long as Ramsay can die and they can get Winterfell, etc. Maybe that's not right for Sansa, but that felt like what they were pushing with her, and it felt justified given the character they had. And the second point is that Ramsay exposed himself by going out there and and 
surrounding them and and going to finish them off and thinking that he had the battle won. And maybe that was part of Sansa's motive is letting that happen so they could be taken out so that they would be made vulnerable and wouldn't have a defensive position and could easily be swept away by the Vale Knights. Maybe she made that call. Maybe she made that pragmatic sort of Machiavellian move. It's worth the cost. It's worth the, the loss of life if we can win. Well, that's the point I was going hmm. to make is that even if she had told him, maybe... John would have said, well, if he finds out there's this army, he's just going to hide behind the walls and then we can't win. So, like, may- maybe they're, they're, they still would have needed to have this battle and maybe would have it would have gone poorly. But she still should have told him. Like, it's it still could have been set up the same way, but it's not... Like, I don't really think that should have been her decision to make when, like, she's yeah. not even putting her life in risk. I think that's a good read on it, Zach, and I'll be happy if that's what we find out, is that she's like, look, I couldn't have told you because, like, if you had... Because John would have incorporated that, incorporated that into his strategy, and it would have potentially risked Ramsey uh, pulling back. Finding and bump, out. Bump. Yeah, and then them having to do a siege, which wouldn't have worked well for them, you know, winter coming and all that and so her her play like taking the risk and saying okay i'm going to keep this to myself let john do what he wants hopefully you know it'll pull ramsey out from behind the walls engage him in battle and hopefully they'll get here in time to win us a victory other words we're screwed but yeah like i could if she was thinking that tactically and taking that big of a gamble i could i could buy that and i would actually like that a lot for sansa her putting not just like the Winterfell men on the line, but also her relationship with John on the line. That would be interesting if they actually could pull through with that in the next episode and just like give her that motivation instead of, oh, I don't know, I don't know if I could really trust you. You are my half brother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many cases where we've given the showrunners more credit than they necessarily deserve and they've kind of failed us. I think that was a big thing that happened over and over again in the last episode you guys reviewed. So maybe, yeah, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I, I just want to believe that there is more going on here than Sansa just being petty or whatever. And also, along with the um, Ramsey argument, she knows Ramsey better than anyone. She knows Littlefinger better than anyone. I think that, that that's definitely her decision. Her 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 wording in that letter is not particularly confident. It's beseeching. It's definitely not like, never mind, change my mind, I'll meet you at like this tree. You know, it's definitely <laughs> the not. The North Grove. It's also, <laughs> it's also not nope. like she really trust Littlefinger right now. I, I feel like this was probably a last minute decision on her part because she, you know, she doesn't want to get involved with Littlefinger again. He's the guy that left her with Ramsay who further ruined her life. And I think that John shouldn't have had a part in that decision. Regard, pro- like it's, it's tough, but I, I don't like it. <laughs> the problem though I have with the Zach's theory is that was John's original plan was to draw Ramsay out into the middle and like, essentially force him to push the middle and make him overconfident and then smash him from the side so even if santa said that santa could use that reasoning and john would probably agree like he he himself was willing to sacrifice some of the men to accomplish that so i don't think he would be adverse to that strategy it would just help him to know that yes i have x amount of men waiting in the wings and i can fully commit to this strategy and draw them farther in but i think as as Sansa expressed in the in the battle planning scene with John, I think she was convinced that Ramsay wouldn't have bought it if it had been John that would, was orchestrating it. John had to be duped too for it to work on Ramsay. I think that's that's what she had in mind. She had to have Ramsay fully believe that he had victory in his hands. What Sansa keeps saying is like, I don't know what Ramsay's going to do, but I know that he's going to try and trap you. Right. And if you think about it, really, the only. It's true that the only real antidote to a trap 
for John like not to to tip his hand in any sort of way would Is be Is it an anti trap? Well, yeah, I mean he would to not know, to just have no idea what was so what he was going she, to do. I'm not saying it was worth the lives of all those men, but I don't But are you saying it was essential for that to for them to even be like forward like that for I'm, little fingers no, charged to I'm, work? I mean But I'm saying that Sansa might have thought but so Santa's saying you're too stupid to like trick Ramsey, but I'm smart enough to trick Ramsey with her years of tactical training. No, I think she's no. saying that like we, I, I can't let Ramsey have any idea that there is anything else going on hmm. because what, what they have set up for Ramsey is not a trap. It's just an extra, you know. There, there's no. It's just there's reinforcements. No exactly. There's no brilliant maneuver there. There's no like extra force waiting around. Like they're not. They're not shivying Ramsey's force into any sort of trap. There's they're no coordination. Doing... Oh, I think it is a trap. Right. I think. It's oh a yeah, trap. it is a trap for sure because. They have to engage one army that's made up of Mormons, like a couple other northern houses and wildlings. And while they're doing that, obviously they're about to like slaughter them all. And then yeah, this cat they comes in. They yeah. overextended, and that's what the the Vale Knights exploited. I don't know if it's right to attribute that kind of tactics to Sansa. Maybe it was something. That she planned with little yeah, finger or something like that. I don't know, but that's that's how I'm reading it. Is that yeah, she wanted Ramsay to overextend, and that's when the Vale Knights would strike. Yeah, I was not getting that at all. Regardless, I just hope next week they at least address this issue and not just like doubt it, yada 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 it away. For me, the only the only thing that makes sense for why she made this is not some like genius tactical idea of she's going to surprise them. They're making some maneuver because it just doesn't coordination none of it makes sense but it's just i think it's just emotional like she like you know she she can't tell john because she can't tell john and that seems to be the only thing that they're telling us i am trying to give them more credit here i'm trying to read it as something more involved and trying to give sansa more credit and maybe you guys are right maybe it's just that simple and maybe with the evidence we have in the past you guys have a better case for it because yeah they've definitely not given good reasons for things that happened in the past and justified them and made them reasonable i get that but yeah i'm i'm not giving up hope until until there's definitive proof that yeah it was just Sansa I didn't want to tell him that you didn't want to anything left on yeah, this Sansa discussion anyone want to make a final point when they tried to show him getting buried by bodies and living half living men like the claustrophobia of it like really got to me it was like extremely effective if that's what they're trying to <laughs> I did anyone think there like just for a minute that John was actually gonna die down there i kind of did and have to be brought uh, back. i was kind of hoping like i, I didn't mean, know I mean, like if he was already dead or like because everyone seemed kind of half alive half dying around he him. definitely seemed like he was about to be crushed so i thought he was gonna die i mean i thought they did a brilliant job communicating that tension and that fear but i you know on a logical mental level i never actually thought that john was gonna yeah die. it took a second to think because if he dies this whole plot is basically over and like if they lose this battle the whole plot is over or kills john next week that's what i was I, i'm kind of worried about is if somehow Littlefinger either you know puts him in his place or kills him or and somehow Sansa just is like, oh, yeah, he's got all the men. I'm I'm with him now. You, you no longer have men. Was it y'all or was it a song of Ice and Fire that said that maybe Littlefinger knows the truth about John 
Littlefinger is the one that tells John about his parentage. That was podcast of Ice and Fire, but yeah, we get the scene last season with with them in the crypts that seems to suggest that he knows more than what he's. I really he's hope that doesn't happen. Anyway, I'm kind of torn about whether I want Sansa to have like there to be a motivation for Sansa not to have told John or. If like it was just poorly written, and I just I just don't want Sansa to like have to take the fall again for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because like this this season she's been pretty good, and I I would like the idea of her being culpable if we'd had more time to experience that and for her to like come into her own, you know. But like this is all really new, so my whole thesis again is is that she is full Ice Queen Sansa now. She, she doesn't care about anything or anyone except advancing her own ends and, and that's why she made this. I kind of got that hint, but I just, I guess I haven't wanted to believe that that's what's going on, you know? I don't think she doesn't care. I, I don't, I just think that nothing, nothing that she did suggested to me that, like, she actively, like, is uncaring. It's just that she couldn't afford to, to care in a lot of, a lot of these instances. I kind of think that, uh, Sansa's gonna kill Littlefinger in the next episode. I would love that oh, I so hope much. Well, I would I love that, but she needs those knights. If it, yeah, but she can inherit them. How? Well, if it's like Ice Queen Littlefinger, I mean, sorry, Sansa, I feel like that could go. <laughs> Let's get the fan art. <laughs> wow. Can we get uh, Littlefinger as Elsa? Thank you. I want you to paint me like one of your King's Landing girls. I feel like that Jesus could go down Christ. a very dark road with. Essentially, Sansa becoming the Cersei. That's what I think is going to happen. That, and that's the only the, way it would make sense for me. Fulfilling really? the Littlefinger fantasy. Yeah. As, and I, I don't know. Like, is that that unbelievable? Given what what's happened to Sansa, that she would go that way. Is that that ridiculous? I think yeah. so because she'd want to be the opposite of Cersei, right? I feel like we might have finished this. Like, I don't know what. Like, she's never been one of the characters that I'm like, oh, she has a big role in the War for the Dawn. You know, it's like. So John turns around and went, goes back to the wall, probably, and Dollar said, "Is like, oh my God, thank God you're back." And like, what does Sansa do? I, I like, no one reckons dead conveniently, so no one's contesting her claim. Does Bran come back and go like, actually, I'm Lord of Winterfell now? Like, I guess I just I don't understand why people are resistant to this idea that Sansa would be this this pragmatic because I think I mean this is what people got excited about right back in like season four with the the Maleficent clothes, they're like, oh yeah, Avenging Angels, Evil Sansa, you know, pra- well, like, sharp, uh, pragmatic But that was Sansa. just like, she's finally taking control but of But I think that's destiny. what she's doing now, and I, you know, I think that, I think that this is who she is. She's been shaped by all, all this that's happened to her, and maybe there is, maybe there's some humanity in there that's guiding her somewhat, but I think that, I think she, she'll do what's necessary. That's who she is now. So she'll, she'll, she'll do, like, in this conception of Sansa as, like, you know, brutal and willing to do anything. Like, what is she doing anything for? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't fully understand what her motives motives are. Maybe it's as simple as gaining power, gaining control, getting revenge on all the people that are, that have hurt her. Never being a victim again. Yeah. With yeah, yeah. yeah I think what never being mean? a victim is a good answer. That's yeah. that's true. But like, what does that mean in the con in the context of? Yeah, but but that's a. I mean, how how far can we go I'm, with that in any character? Like, what's the point of Arya now? What's the point? No, of no, no. I'm, I'm not right. criticizing it. 
I'm just curious, like I, because I can't particularly. I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, I can't conceive of it exactly either. I assume she's going to be part of whatever whatever power struggle there is for King's Landing and ruling there and, and things like that. I think maybe that's where it will go. It, this is where you can get like the divide of the. You can see the big divide of show Sansa and book Sansa, whereas we in the books we know what kind of person Sansa is. But at this point in the show, we don't know what she's capable of or what she's planning or if she's planning or what even she could plan. It's just... Yeah, but I think I, I think yeah. that Sansa could be down a dark path in the book, too. Like, I think we can't, yeah. we can't just assume that she's going to be, like, perfect and, and good. Going yeah, forward. do we know, like, in either show or book? Because, like... Well, we, we get references, like, when uh, uh, Sansa sees, like, the way Cersei bosses everyone around through fear. She says to herself, I'll never rule through fear. I would hey, be a beloved queen. Yeah, but like, she's like 12. In the most recent Elaine chapter, she's like, get this fucking Robert, like, off of me. Like, he should die. Like, you know, it, like, it's completely different where she's looking at, like, what would actually happen if Sweet Robin died, even though she wants that because she recognizes that he is weak. Well, who is the Sweet Robin anyway? Yeah, I don't think Sansa is malevolent now. No, and and maybe maybe Tywin is a fair comparison, though I think he is sadistic than what I expect Sansa to be. But yeah, I, I feel that it, it's for the most part it's just going to be pragmatic. I need to do this to secure whatever position I'm in. I, this is the necessary evil. This is the necessary for whatever I'm I'm advancing. I don't I just I don't think she's evil, but I don't think that I think that she's letting go of some of the morals that may have been part of her in the past representation. I have to you know, admit this is kind of fun though, like thinking back and adding the political element back to Game of Thrones, even though that <laughs> won't happen. Yeah, and I think that's always, that for me, that was that's always what Sansa's path was going to be. Maybe maybe we're hoping it's a more morally driven thing, but, I, you know, Sansa always was going to be the character that learned to be the political mastermind along the lines of the little finger, the, or maybe not Cersei, but, you know, the, the player of... There must of always the, be a finger. The player of the Game of Thrones, right? She is, <laughs> oh, she, boy. She, there are always two, one master and one apprentice. <laughs> She's set to one be... pinky and one thumb. Indeed. Oh my god. She's set to be <laughs> one of the game. But yeah, let's go ahead and move. I think we've we've set our piece on this to the last scene Wait. of the episode. Yeah, we have one Wait, last we, scene. We alright, okay, Jesus. Yeah. Ramsey retreats to Winterfell and Sansa watches as John, Tormund, and Davos give chase with the wildlings behind them. Ramsey begins preparing his men for a siege, but is interrupted by a slamming sound. One one breaks through the gates of Winterfell and the wildlings rush in to cut down the remainder of Ramsey's force. 1-1 one, one staggers forward, filled with arrows, and Ramsay finishes the giant with a shot to the eye. John approaches Ramsay, blocking his arrow shots with a shield before rushing forward to tackle him. He punches Ramsay in the face with the intent to kill, but stops when he sees Sansa watching nearby. The Bolton banners fall, and the direwolf of House Stark hangs on the walls of Winterfell once again. At night, Sansa goes to see Ramsay in his cell. Santa tells him that everything he has ever done will be forgotten, and she watches as Ramsay's own starved dogs begin tearing him to pieces, and then walks off. A little smile at the end there, if you guys want to. Oh. Fuck yes. Did anybody else think that, like, at first Santa was disappointed in John for being the absolute shit out of him, shit out of Ramsay, and then you're like, oh, no, she just wanted to do it herself. I wasn't sure what her expression meant, actually. Well, I never thought she was, like, Upset that he hurt Ramsey. Yeah, no. For half for half a second, 
I thought like when Ramsey woke up, he was tied to one of those crosses, like the Bolton crosses, and I was gonna be like, oh. and then Santa's gonna like, start flaying him, and then Santa's like, if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god, gosh. that would have been awesome. I was curious if it was a reference to the books, to like when we saw one one breaking down the gate, specifically Storm of Swords, when there's something about a giant like the snow castle scene. Like a giant Oh, and, I see. Yeah, yeah. And the, oh, so and the stuffed like animal is one one? That's we it, gave- right? Isn't it the the, the um toy that lo- that Sweet Robin uses to smash the cast the castle? Snow Castle, right? Oh yeah, here it is. I dreamt of a maid at a feast with purple serpents in her hair, venom dripping from their fangs, and later I dreamt that maid again slaying a giant in a castle built of snow. Yeah, and we assume so it's not... that it's as simple as the thing in the veil in the eerie, but maybe it's something more. Yeah. But why would she? Well, it's different then because she wouldn't slay one one here. But... Yep, you're right. <laughs> Ramsey's a maid. One minor yeah, note that I appreciated that. I mentioned at the beginning, I really like that there's no music when the, the Stark banners fall because it, it was kind of just a form of catharsis with that. And also, it, it might even suggest, like, was it worth it, right? Because it's just like, we did this, and it's kind of a hollow victory. It's kind of a victory without fanfare. No, a fuck that. That is a mic drop. Maybe. They lost the air. No, I kind of agree with Zach. I think, like, they they may have won Winterfell, but they still have the war beyond the wall coming towards them. Um, so, is it really worth it? It's open now for interpretation. Have... So, what's going to happen next week? Jamie's going to die. Cersei's yeah. going to die. So, we get, we get the obvious... Who gets paid the most? Let's get rid of them. <laughs> we, get the, we get the obvious allusion to, to Eris in the wildfire. And as I predicted in the, the visions with Not Bran. only that, but he, he was like, told us where they were. Like, there's... It's under yeah, the under great sept, Under the Sept of Baelor. And, yeah, the visions with Bran. Maybe, indeed, the future is where the wildfire explosion happened. The Sept of Baelor is going to blow up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think, I think mount, the mountain's going to dress up like amazing. Guy Fox and just... <laughs> oh, nice. Are we even going to see Dorne? No. He's caught, no. Oh, no. Oh, actually, actually, well, actually. Ooh, well, well, actually. Well. We're not going to get Dorne and we're not going to get Arya. Or Sam. I think we're going to get can, Arya and I can... Sam. I disagree on both this. Better not. I actually, I changed my really? mind. I don't think we're gonna get Arya. We might get Sam, and we are getting Dorne. No. Oh. I'm just curious. Like, what is what is Jamie doing at the twins? What is going to happen there? Other than Red Wedding version two. Just that. Catelyn <laughs> shows up. Who would kill them though? Like what? Like what would be an instigation of violence? The Brotherhood. Guess all five oh. of them are gonna come kill all these fairies. Five good men. Hey, the Hound is worth apparently like three. And it's and, and it's phrase. They're not doing anything with Jamie either, so. I almost I feel guess like Jamie's would... gonna murder them. I actually feel like it's gonna be Arya. Who's going to show up back there? I know I just said Arya's not going to be in the episode. I don't really think it's going to happen, but I feel like it's just going to be like, surprise, I'm back, and like, you know, crossing names off my list now. I stick with my theory last week, which is Varys is going to show up and shoot Jamie with a crossbow. (laughs) Or maybe Arya shows up and and shoots Kevin trying to find... Cersei. Everyone, that would make multiple. perfect sense. I think Varys is going to Dorne. I think if he's going anywhere, that's where he's going, actually. I swear to God. What if Varys shows up with a crossbow, kills Kevin, no and one then cares about the Kevin. Face, it doesn't matter. The face, the face comes off, and it's Arya. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, you figured it out, Anna. And Varys takes off his face, and it's Gendry. <laughs> What the fuck? And it oh, takes off his face, it. and it's Dario. It's Dario Pharrell. 
Serio. Do we say to writing good plot? Not today. Let's end this podcast. We're at a good spot to end it. So yeah, thank you guys very much for joining me for this review. We have one more left. One more Dragoncast left for season six. Remains to be seen if we're going to continue in season seven. I'm a little exhausted by Game of Thrones myself, but I don't think I can resist watching. So we'll see. Which one of us will die next week? Rejuvenated. Find out next time on Dragoncast. Yeah. So thank you guys very much. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back. And check us out in all the places that we've made up all throughout the season, all the dumb places that we've come up with. First and foremost, Vogue Podcast, WordPress.com, a podcast device and fire forums on Twitter, on Facebook, and, and all the other nonsense. So yeah, happy shooting, everybody. Tender and grander. Happy shooting, everybody. See you. Bye. 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 All of life is one big dick joke. We should do a, the Hamilton cast at some point. I have already nice. podcasted about Hamilton once. I need to. Pay, I uh, need you to can't do it again Hamilton. for me, okay? Is what you're saying? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, she can that's just cut and paste harsh. from her other podcast. I actually podcasted about Star Wars three different times. <laughs> and then Amin was like, hey, you want to talk about this on Bastards? I was like, no, actually. Aww. <laughs> Oh, Mikael, life is rough. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> so hard. I had a podcast three times. No. That'd be four, but... So popular. About Star Wars, let me push up my glasses. Katie, Everyone wants to know my opinion, here. and it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, you know, on the fourth on the fourth podcast, you just are like, yep, yeah, Kylo was right. <sighs> <laughs> All of life is one big dick joke. All right. Dorn would have been okay if Marcella had come back alive while we're talking about all this. Like there had been Ooh, can we play yeah. the game Dorn would have been okay if? Oh, yes. yeah. All right. Who goes first? Well, I went. All right. Dorn would, would have been okay if 
it never existed in the first place. Dorn would have been okay. okay if they had been somewhat faithful at all to the book. Oh, that's, that's boring. Dorn would have been Talk okay the books, if, there was a, if there was a blood orange. There was a blood orange. <laughs> there was a blood orange, no, there... but it was in Bravos. Yeah, in Dorn. Not in... Don't I'm not you know that orange trees them. grow in Bravos? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Casey, do you know the blood orange theory? No. I've oh, actually no. never heard what the blood oh, orange theory uh, is. You don't want to. I, yeah. I will just say that Dorm would have been okay if we had Quentin on a dragon. It doesn't matter um, in the books, though. It doesn't matter. The books would have been okay if we had Quentin. Yeah. Does anyone want to tell everyone what the blood orange theory is? Wait. Does anyone want to tell Anyone? <laughs> no. I think you've got it, Matt, right? You got this? Yeah, yeah you kind of yeah, claimed Matt. this, Matt. Do it. You don't do just it, throw Matt. anyone else in the, under the bus. Well, no. I mean, this is a podcast of Ice and fi- uh, Fire Theory that they've had for years. That's right. It was an episode I somehow skipped and just... Everyone kept saying it over and over, and at some point I was too afraid to ask because it had been so long. <laughs> no. <laughs> I it's about Chase something about it. oral sex, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, the theory is that in Dorn, they keep on talking about the blood oranges and because Dorn Martell like can't really do anything, he eats all the blood oranges to make sure his cum Taste okay while he gets oral sex because he can't actually bang anyone. You get quite base at times. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is not my. Isn't that theory. pineapple? The do- yeah, the I think it's who the said it isn't that pineapple? It was Casey. Casey, Casey pineapple how do you know thing? about such things? <laughs> no, that like pineapple's what you eat. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Actually, oh, well, I thought that was salt. Hearing Wait. hearing the theory explained now in its entirety is actually a little disappointing because I mean numerous parts of Doran's anatomy are compared to fruit. So you're expecting more. I don't know. I feel like the chain collapsed there a little bit. I thought it was something like, like, like a fruit he just, dick. Like he eats a lot of pussy or something, and like <laughs> blood orange was like women on their periods. I, I was going to. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, I thought you were going to say that he like squirts it on to. there for taste. Now it got gross. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now it's we're gross. much baser. Uh, well, it's not like this... we'd hope for ourselves. I really hope right. no children are listening to this podcast. Zach, there needs to be Casey. an episode on YouTube that is the blood orange theory, and just like take out this five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All of life is one big dick joke. Okay, show of hands, who fingered Zach? <laughs> You're getting it backwards. You're confused. Why am I laughing? It doesn't really work well on a podcast. On a visual medium, a show of hands would have. Thank you, man. When we're all together at Ice and Fire Con. Yeah. We can show each other our hands. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was going a different direction. No, they're not excited about it. Even though I, I literally, I basically browbeated Casey into <laughs> Zach, I'm offended that you called Roanoke in the middle of nowhere. I, I lived there for four years. Oh, not Roanoke. Virginia. Roanoke's not in the middle of nowhere. Pembroke is in the middle of nowhere, where this con is. I think both are in the middle of nowhere. How many they just have a certain college related to them. 
from New York, I, it's not in the middle of nowhere. It's just nowhere. <laughs> it's Thanks, off Rihal. to the side of nowhere. It's it's like the only thing I know about Roanoke, except that Katie went to college there. Now I know that is that people disappeared. <laughs> that's not Dang. we're not the lost colony of Roanoke. That's not. <laughs> but it would be so much cooler if you were that. Are you sure? <laughs> You, you can't. Go? You can be if you. You can. Katie was one of the are. original uh, colonists to disappear, and now she's only just reappeared. <laughs> Hush. All of life is one big dick joke. You can go visit the Roanoke Coffin Factory. <laughs> it's like you grabbing like a rope and trying to pull the Titanic the back star. up. The big star, we have Little Graceland, which is an exact replica <laughs> of Graceland in this old man's. <laughs> front lawn. Oh my god. Uh, this sounds like also, oh, Foam Henge! You have to go to Foam Henge, which is an exact replica of Stonehenge. She's just making this up, guys. No, she's making up real better. things. All of life is one big dick joke. Dick I, on. Dick off. I think it's for on. Who started saying, we're, we're, I think we're about done here? Paul. Paul. Like was that last season? Big like Paul. Early. Paul the first. Let's play. <laughs> Large Paul. Jesus, we've been at this for three and like a quarter of an hour? Yeah. That's right. No! Enjoy each other's company, what can we say? When you huh? whittle this down to 90 minutes, it's going to be amazing. Well, I don't know <laughs> if it'll be amazing, but... <laughs> I mean, the last hour was just us shooting the shit, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Who Oh my god, I think I it was Brett. Story. He had the funniest line on the on the 300 cast, which was that, like, Shane, everybody was like, why Why do you love VOK? And Shane was like, oh, I just like, I like getting on and being able to shoot the shit with you guys. And Brett was like, well, of course you're from Texas, so shooting has to come into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but he's not oh, yeah. from Texas. Was that the thing that Adam couldn't stop laughing to? I think no. so. I don't know. That was, um, what was that? Or no, it was his voice. It, oh, I don't even. I'm not even going to explain that one because I don't think I don't think it actually came through. <laughs> so, way, I no one knows remember. why I was laughing. I did not remember that I was the one who started hashtag Greg. I like did not recall that I was the first one who said it. I was really surprised when it came up because I just thought that somebody else had said it and like we all ran away. Well, Alright, here comes McCall saying she <laughs> well, I think I think you Jesus were the one that Christ. I think that you were the one that made it a thing. Like I don't remember who the first person was that said it. Though. No, she said it first. Do you guys remember the No because I typed it somewhere saddle. before that. Yeah Theory. that was like yeah. the trap yeah. saddle. Yeah. I'm always uh, so like back when I used to listen to the podcast of Ice and Fire more. I never wanted to use my real name when I would post on their episodes, so I would just make up dummy names to post on their episodes, and that was me. I wrote that. I did. Ah, really? I was the comment that brought up the booby trap saddle. Really? <laughs> really? Listed under like Tyler or something. So oh, your long your long secret is now out. You need to claim that. <laughs> Yeah, that's... Mm. 
Katie I have no Griffin, pr- inventor of the booby trap saddle. I have no. Pr- it was on a random blog that I remember. I was like hungry for reviews. This was like way back in season one, and I was just looking for anybody who was posting about it. It was like a random WordPress <laughs> WordPress blog that somebody had just like watched the episode and was like, "Oh man, Tyrion is so gonna try to kill Bran with the booby trap saddle," and I thought it was the funniest shit ever. But alas, I have no proof of it. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I believe you. Thank you. It's very Thanks. funny. Well, before we go, Zach, can I just <laughs> trap saddle? All right. Before we go, Zach, can I have the request that you do just lead in with Katie's big chicken comment, but just leave out all the other discussion so people who listen just hear about the big chicken? I'll, that I'll seriously, I'll seriously consider it. Thanks, Zach. It has it has to cut well. <laughs> <laughs> well, Although, it should because it's just like silence, and then Katie brings up the chicken. It's funny because I've lived like in the vicinity of the big chicken my whole life, and so it's just background noise at this point. That every other commercial is like, "Take a left at the big chicken." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, good night, people. Good night. Good night, guys.